Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Franica. I am unfortunately your other host, Ben Harrison. Sounds so sad about that, Ben. <laughs> well, I'm just still like kind of, you know, even though we're three seasons in, the embarrassment is real, man. Ben, I think occasionally I like to open the kimono a little bit on this <laughs> podcast for our viewers. Show them a little knuck? Yeah. Show them what we're dealing with. Uh-huh. And uh, I just went upstairs to get some podcast fluid for our show today. Sure. And happened upon the thermostat, which says 87 degrees in the house. Woo. We're in the middle of a heat wave right now in Seattle, and it's pretty rough. Is it a tropical heat wave? Well, Did you start a- the heat wave by making your seat wave? I could really use a tiki drink, tell you that much. Yeah, that would be nice. I have been having a tiki drink lifestyle around my house this summer. Uh, I bought uh, I bought some uh, some passion fruits for something else uh, recently, and I had enough of them around where I was like coming home at the end of a day and making like a a cocktail for myself that had eighteen ingredients, including fresh passion fruit pulp. And I was like, wow. this is this is fucking great. You taking yourself out on a little date there, Ben? Yeah. Sounds nice. It's a lot like uh it's a lot like that event in Las Vegas that we did not get invited to. <clears throat> well, I bet you're drinking better drinks than those. Yeah. Those drinks were probably served in a plastic tiki glass, unlike yours. You have no. great glassware. I have I have tip top glassware. Speaking of glassware. Should we start the episode? This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Yeah, let's keep our intro brief. Let's really get into this one. This is season three, episode 15, Yesterday's Enterprise. And speaking of glassware, Worf is uh, hunched over a table in 10 Forward. This is the, uh, this is the table that Data played Stratagema at. Yeah, best table in ten forward. Yeah, this is this is like best seat in the house. Worf is in a real mood from the look of it. Guinan comes up, puts a puts a brown beverage in front of him. This is like one of the most memorable scenes from the entire series for me. It's an earth drink, prune juice, warrior's drink. This is comedy that we've been mining for the the entire run of our podcast. It's true. We love making fun of olds. Yeah, man. This shit made me laugh so hard as a kid. It still makes me laugh. I think Michael Dorn's performance in this is hilarious. I think that Guinan uh, is hilarious in this. And it's one of the few moments when we get to see Worf laugh. <laughs> without it being like a joke about Worf not laughing that much, you know? He laughs as loud as he sneezes. Totally. Real loud. Shakes the ship. Tell you what, though. Worf drinks a lot of that prune juice. Mm -hmm. He's going to be having some warrior shit. (laughs) The conversation he's having with Guinan is, Guinan's all like, you know, Worf, you should should really start spending some time with some females on the ship. I think it'd be good for you. And Worf says, "Uh, I don't think these women here could handle me. 
Right. Too much of a rowdy player in the bedroom. This line, I feel like, is almost directly recycled from yeah. a season one or two exchange of a very similar kind. Yeah, I agree. It was it was familiar territory. But I like the idea of Guinan doing work on Worf a little bit. Yeah. Like, she picks people to do some uh, bartender doctoring, you know? Totally. Like, like she has the power to to manipulate and to counsel like any good bartender. She's, and I think it's cool to see her do that. You don't get to see her do it too often. Yeah, she's not just uh, back in the office flicking the old bean. She's out there She's out there managing the mental health of certain members of the crew. She doesn't make her case especially well because I don't think Worf comes around to the idea at all. Yeah, well, she doesn't have much time because they look up at a certain point and there's a big, uh, there's a big butthole in space. And uh, Worf is called up to the bridge moments after they notice this. They run a scan on the butthole. They, uh, they search its, its rim and its interior. Uh, it appears to have neither. It's, yeah. uh, it's really throwing their sensors all off kilter. You know, like most space buttholes of this type, it appears to have something to do with the space-time continuum. Ben, this is a concept that you're a big, big fan of in yeah. Star Trek, right? Yeah, this is a rift in time, and uh, they start to get a, a different reading off of it, and something is coming through the rift... Like a uh, like a catcher coming through the rye, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> exactly like that. Yeah, and uh, what what should come through but a slightly older looking model of a similar type of starship? Uh, it is the Enterprise C, and we're we're close on Picard's face when this happens, and there's this crazy blurring blending effect, and Suddenly, the the bridge just feels different. It's darker. There's different, you know, color choices in the wall and floor treatments. There's extra tactical stations everywhere. Everyone's wearing dustbusters. Everybody's wearing a silver belt with a with <laughs> the dustbuster in it. Picard has been unmalibu'd. He, like he's become paler and more serious. Like uh, yeah, like he's aged. It looks I, like. And they all look. A, they look a little eviler like i i think it's what they did with the collars like the collars instead of having a little notch in the front like where you would zip it up presumably they just go they're they're flat all the way across and it, it somehow makes them look kind of sinister in a way sinister turtlenecks yeah everybody has a new uniform and like wesley is in is in like a full like crew uniform he's not in his in his like pajama uniform and uh Worf and troy are not there but tasha yar is and she is rocking the slick back yeah. hairdo which can mean she has been close to death yes she's loved and lost in this in this timeline so yar's done the scan on the ship and she uh calls out its its call sign and uh, and reads those as slow as possible yeah. for maximum dramatic effect. Totally. We come to understand that they actually have some concerns in that respect because this is a version of the Star Trek universe in which the Federation has been in a bloody war with the Klingons for like 25 years or something. 
And they're like really worried at all times about the possibility that a Klingon ship will show up and, and start picking a fight with them. Yeah, and we see all the different sets all over the ship. And it's like, what if the Enterprise right. was a warship and not a ship of exploration? They didn't do anything to the outside of the ship. Like the, the, the model of the ship is the same. But the bridge is, is very differently configured. Even 10 forward is really different. It's it's more warlike. And, and we see a few new sets as well, like different parts of the ship where Guinan and Picard have meetings or like, Everything is more tactical, more functional, and darker. Yeah, it's it's darker everywhere, but what light there is is really hard light, right? Yeah, the lighting in this episode is basically as good as we have ever seen. Yeah. So the Enterprise is uh, is toe up. Looks like they had a rough ride. Every time we get close to the model, you see that there's like tons of scorch marks on it and chunks bitten out of it. So the tension is huge for a couple of reasons, right? Yeah. The Enterprise is poo-bearing around <laughs> with its pants down, just kind of waiting to be attacked by Klingons. And then the Enterprise-C is totally defenseless and far from its own time. It It's pretty heady. They understand the consequences of, of polluting a timeline. Yeah. It always makes me so upset when Winnie the Pooh gets attacked by Klingons. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, it's... It's the same crew, so like they are going to be cognizant of a time-space continuum issue in the same way that they would be. But they're 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 warriors too. Like they're they're thinking about the Klingons, and and so they see they see this as like potentially an opportunity because they're like, hey, like this isn't a great ship, but it's a ship, and we could use one. You know, if we're going right. to throw things into the Klingon wood chipper, like here's one more thing. And and so they're like, you have nine hours. If you can get her underway by then, we'll escort her to Starbase 105. If not, we'll evacuate the survivors and destroy the ship. And so they're like, they beam over to the bridge of this other ship, and everybody has blood coming out of their heads. It's, it's real smoky, like uh, someone left their popcorn in the microwave at the <laughs> office. Yeah. It's pretty bad over there, and everyone's doing that lean over their console. That's how you know they're dead, right? A lot of girders and beams down. <laughs> Yeah, if, you, if your bridge set falls apart, you're going to want to reinforce it with a nice thick girder, strong, a, a strong duranium beam going across the center of the bridge. <laughs> the away team, as soon as they get over there, they meet Captain Garrett, captain of the Enterprise C, and they the first information they give her is, oh, the rest of the bridge crew's dead. You got to come with us. Yeah, and they're, and they're like real cryptic the whole time about what ship they're from. Like she's, she keeps, she just kind of takes their word for it that they're from the Federation. They're here to help. And, and, and they keep saying like, we're from a Federation starship. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of concern about revealing too much about what's going on to the other ship, which I feel like maybe sells... Uh, another crew in the Federation short. Like, if if the D crew can handle this being a time issue, why shouldn't the C crew be able to handle that? Like, they're yeah. they're, they're the f- fucking flagship of their time. Like, they're... Are prob- they not cut from the same cloth? Right. They're probably the best and the brightest of the era from which they come, which is not, like, that deep in the past. So, uh, a weird choice, and they sort of abandon it once... Uh, Captain Garrett wakes up. She's pretty hip to the scheme that she's not in the the timeline that she's used to. She uh, comes to in Six Bay 
and Picard sort of goes to her bedside, and that's where that's where he reveals the truth of the situation. Yeah, she's yeah. like uh, she's like I've never seen a sick bay like this before. Look at all this barbicide in this in these different colored jars, and look at the wig on the, your doctor. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> pretty incredible, right? And uh, and Picard's like you have come twenty two years into the future, and Garrett replies that we were responding to a distress call from the Klingon outpost on the Rendra 3. They were up to the same type of shit that the Enterprise D gets up to, which is they heard a distress signal and they right. ran toward it to as fast as they could to see what was up and then their their era's version of Tomalak started destroying them. So like they literally came through this butthole like at the last moment for their ship because like everybody was passing out, and I guess the idea is that some, in some way, the explosions of the Romulan torpedoes hitting them caused the the rift in time. Look, Ben. Yeah. It's dark. It's loud. You're disoriented. Things are going every which way. Stuff's exploding sometimes. Yeah. You can see how someone would accidentally go into a butthole in that situation. <laughs> Lord knows I've done it. It happens to the best captains. It is the guiding principle of a dog-beating base. Now, you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. Well, speaking of holes, uh, on the bridge, as they're, as they're trying, to, uh, trying to pick up all the pieces... Uh, Shooter McGavin comes climbing out. You know what would be great if I could get a Pepsi? I guess he was, like, hiding under a desk or something. Yeah. Not really sure. Or was he in a Jeffrey's tube? I think they lifted off a piece of metal from him, and he dusts himself off, and he is Helmsman Castillo. Yeah. And, uh, boy, he just has a lantern jaw on him, doesn't he? Oh, my God. This guy is fun to look at. Just a great-looking dude. Yeah. Easy on the eyes in every way possible. He's got kind of a curly slick back. And uh, he and Yar fall in with each other pretty quickly. Yeah, zombie Tasha really takes notice. Yeah. They're fast friends, and uh, they're like the same rank, and she's a tactical officer, and he's a helmsman, and it's real cute. It's a meat cute. Yeah, it's nice. They're able to find love in the middle of war. Yeah. Meanwhile, they've sort of pieced together the timeline you know, the Enterprise C was not listed as ever having been in a battle with Romulans or Klingons uh, in their in their history books. But they realized that this battle that the C was coming from when it slipped into the butt was very specifically kind of an inciting incident in this war with the Klingons. And, and like if the C had either succeeded in defending the outpost, you know, or they'd all died in the process of defending it, the Klingons would have seen that as like a, an act of great honor and would have had more respect for the Federation and maybe wouldn't have gone to war in the first place. So they have some weird feelings about the fact that they're here. And, and Picard pretty quickly like lays the entire war at, at Captain Garrett's feet. One more ship will make no difference in the here and now. But 22 years ago, one ship could have stopped this war before it started. The way he lays out the story in this alternate timeline, they're fucked. Everyone's fucked. <laughs> the war is going very badly for the Federation. Far worse than is generally known. Like, if I told everyone how badly it was going, people would get off this ship. Right. They would just go out the airlock. They'd be so right. freaked out. They're going to lose this war. They're going to be 
either killed or enslaved by the Klingons in a matter of months. Yeah. And not the kind of like fun, you know, cops and robbers in your underpants kind of slave type thing that Picard is into. Right. (laughs) This is non-consensual slavery. It's the worst kind, Ben. Without this moment, it doesn't make any sense to send the ship back. You need this scene. Yeah. Otherwise, sending the ship back uh, is ridiculous. Is so th- this is the underpinning of the entire decision. And either it's the 1B or the B storyline is Guinan's relationship with Captain Picard. Yeah. So we saw her in the cold open, but she's sprinkled throughout the episode as someone who is able to sense that the timeline that they exist in is not right. And her relationship with Picard is such that she can walk onto the bridge uh, during a situation like this and get the captain's ear. She can call a meeting with him and tell him some crazy shit. I can't explain it to myself, so I can't explain it to you. I only know that I'm right. Stuff that if she was not Guinan and if he wasn't Picard and if they didn't have that relationship would not fly. Right. (laughs) Like... You have to really respect the bond of trust that these two characters have, given the yeah. whoppers that she's laying on him. Because she's like, I don't really have any th- evidence to back this up, but the timeline is wrong. Tasha Yar should be dead. Everything uh, is not as it should be. And the only way to solve this is by sending all hundred and whatever people on this other ship to their deaths. Right. And so not long after this conversation with Guinan, Picard calls him a McLaughlin group and he's like, all right. Here's the plan. Uh, We got to send him back because I think it's important. And I think one ship in the past could make more of a difference than two ships in the present. And that's my decision. And it's final. And and his senior staff are appropriately (laughs) confused by this. Wait, you're listening to the lady with the crazy hats? Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah. All of them have their moment to argue with Picard and... And he's like, no, this actually isn't a meeting that we're going to go back and forth on. This yeah. is a meeting where I brief you. Right. And that's how it's going to be. And um, it's interesting, like, the next time he checks in with Captain Garrett, like, she's she tells him, like, yeah, like, most of my crew is actually pretty keen on getting back as well. Like, we don't feel right here, and we kind of want to go, like, do what we were supposed to do. I mean, I guess they're just choosing which hopeless situation is best. I think given the news Picard gave them, they know they're not long for this timeline. They're certainly not long for the butthole timeline. Right. Uh, and if they have a chance to make their demise matter in some way, they're going to choose the butthole. Well, that's sort of the question that I had watching this episode was, did Picard truly believe Guinan? Or was the story that she was telling him that they could unmake this war so seductive to him that he wanted to try, like he wanted to believe in it so bad that he just kind of fell in love with the idea of changing history and kind of, he kind of threw rationality out the window. It comes down to the trust you have in someone. Like, is there anyone, is there anyone in either of our lives that could tell us a story like Guinan's and we would, like we would take it at face value? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> It'd be really hard. Yeah. Well, and and yet one this, of the privileges it, of not living in the 24th century, I guess. <laughs> sure. I, but I think you bring up a great point, And that is, do we know enough about Guinan and Guinan's relationship for, with Picard to make this a credible moment in their story? 
Yeah. Like this is the most significant moment in their relationship to the viewer because he makes such a huge decision based on her intuition. And and nothing like this has happened before now. And at some point he's asked to back his decision up and he says that there's no logic in it at all. Like that's a direct quote. Yeah. And I felt like that could be like the tagline for the whole episode. I've considered the alternatives. I'll go with Guinan's recommendation. Dismissed. I feel like at that moment, Riker could have could have taken command and right. relieved him on the spot. I don't know how a crew follows that order. Right. It's kind of incredible. Banana cakes. But ev- yeah. everybody gets on board. My love is a They get the crew onto the Enterprise C, like it's fixed up enough to make a go of going back when a Klingon bird of prey comes out of nowhere and starts lighting everybody up. And for some reason, the Klingons are kind of focusing their attack on the weaker of the two ships. And uh, and so that doesn't seem very honorable to me. Yeah, it's some that's a dick move. And the Enterprise D is able to like get a couple of good phaser shots at this thing, but it. But it cloaks, and it's it's gone before they're able to destroy it. Unfortunately, in this attack, uh, Captain Garrett takes a throwing start at the dome. <laughs> and she did. Yeah. Now, if you have a construction accident, you should always have the number of the authorities on hand at any construction site. <laughs> now, in any OSHA-approved bridge environment, you're going to want to wear a hot hat. <laughs> Yeah. I like a fiberglass hot hat with the logo of my show on it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Oldie but goodie. Yeah. And so this is, like, not great news because basically the one person that they could trust to, like, make a good show of this fight with the Klingons has bought the farm. It really hurts because you know her for all of, I don't know, 10 minutes. And she's a great character. I really liked her. She really sold that she was the captain of the Enterprise. Like she, yeah. you're, like that is an amazing achievement. Yeah. Like I think Patrick Stewart did that in about six episodes. She did it in twenty minutes. She is so much better of a captain than Cameron from the Enterprise B. <laughs> so much more. So the highest ranking Enterprise C crewman is, wouldn't you know it, Helmsman Castillo. I've worked hard my whole life, paid my dues, and now it's Shooter's turn. Yeah, he's the, he's the last man standing with a, uh, with a commission. Which is just bonkers. Yeah. And he wants, to ma- he wants to keep the mission going, right? Yeah, especially bonkers because he eats pieces of shit for breakfast. No! He wants to continue with the plan, but they have more repairs to make now that they've taken a couple of uh, super advanced Klingon disruptor hits you know like they're they're armed for a quarter of a century ago and um yeah and so they're back to trying to fix this ship up and get it get it ship shape for heading back through the rift and so now they've got like they've got like a ticking clock because if if this klingon ship got away they know that it would have alerted the klingon high command and you know whatever's coming next is not going to be as easy to repel as one little ship. After the captain dies, after the captain of the Enterprise C dies, uh, there's sort of a leadership vacuum, <laughs> call it, yeah. on the Enterprise C, a vacuum that Tasha Yar uh, wants to fill. 
I request to transfer to the Enterprise C. She has a conversation with Guinan after getting some weird looks from her earlier. Yeah. And Guinan's like, girl, you aren't even supposed to be here. <laughs> and watch this scene again. Denise Crosby does some capital A acting here. She's doing things that aren't on the page. Right. Things here that really gave me some feels. Like yeah, and non, I feel like non-dialogue it's, stuff. It's, it's almost especially interesting given the fact that she sort of wanted off this show as an actor. And yeah. I think that she had been given some some bad stuff, some bad text to deal with, some bad lines to deliver in the past. But it was only natural to want off this show at the time she wanted. Right. Like but she comes I don't back her for that at all. She comes back and she is totally chewing the scenery. I can see it in your eyes, Guinan. We've known each other too long. We weren't meant to know each other at all. She does great in this scene and also uh, all of her scenes with Castillo, the helmsman. Right. Yeah, they have great chemistry. Yeah, you really feel it. You know, it made, it made me really miss her. Like, I had gotten used to her being gone for a couple of seasons, but seeing her again and seeing how great her character was in such a short amount of time, like, yeah, man, they really redeemed her. And Guinan is, like, not really able to give any kind of detail about the timeline that she perceives them to have, you know, come from, like, where they're supposed to be. But she does tell Yar that the death that she died in that timeline was meaningless and empty. And that's, like, a heavy thing to lay on Yar. And so that motivates her to, like, want to take take over at tactical on the enterprise C so that she can like, she, if she knows she's going to be dead either way, she like, like the rest of the enterprise C, she wants it to mean something. And, uh, because, because the captain has died, it kind of makes sense for her to go there. It has to be in this order though. Like Picard has to believe before Tasha believes because Picard has the benefit of his relationship with Guinan as being like sealed. Like, right. Guinan is utterly credible to him. She will always be believed. Uh, to Yar, she doesn't have that benefit. Like, it is really going out on a limb to believe her. But she does. Yeah, and... and uh, but she also feels like something's off, too. Like, it's, yeah. it's not just Guinan in that scene. Like, she's a little... She's feeling a little spacey about it yeah, in well, her own right. Well, and it's especially interesting because Guinan became a character on the show after Yar was gone. So Yeah, they were never supposed to know each other. Yamok, Angelad, and Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVS for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? 
I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. They get on the long-range sensors. They discover that three attack cruisers are headed toward them, and they're not even bothering to cloak. They're, like, brimming with confidence that they're going to be able to take the Enterprises out. And uh, and so they get the Enterprise-C, like, back operational just in time to, like, start going through the rift. And the D has to kind of, like, stand in between it and the Klingons and try and stave off this attack. Enterprise C approaches the butthole in like very slow. Yeah, man, it is moving it, slow motion. As you should, but still. Right. Like they're trying to survive. Yeah, I mean, just put a little bit of personal lubricant, you know, make sure it's compatible with whatever form of uh, protection you're using. I would recommend uh, sticking sticking a probe in first. Yeah. Uh, to to check it out, yeah, and then you drive the ship in. Mm-hmm. This is such a weird scene to me because, for as much tension as they've built through this episode, this this battle scene is so slow. Like every time they cut to like out exteriors of the ships moving around, they're just moving 
slow motion. Like the, the Klingon ships are moving slow. Both Enterprises are moving slow. It seems like it takes like 20 minutes for them to turn the Enterprise D around. It's just like, when, like they've, they've turned it around much quicker in previous episodes. I don't know why it's taking so long. If this I is, didn't pick up on that. I didn't get that feeling. Ah, it just seems slow to me. I mean, there's some exciting stuff with it lighting lighting the Klingon ships up, you know, like you see like three or four laser beams coming out of it at once. And that was cool, but to Enterprise D's credit, like it blows up one of the Klingon ships. Not before Riker takes a throwing star to his neck. Yeah. Like, shit's just popping off on the Enterprise-D bridge, and yeah. they're not long for this world. Like, they're they're getting the shit kicked out of them. Picard has to, like, vault over the tactical station to go back and operate the weapons. Yeah, he dukes of hazards over the horseshoe. Yeah, no time for backup! It's pretty clear that the D is, like, about to get taken out when when we see the C going finally into into the butthole. Like, it's... You know, there's like a very wide shot of the two Klingon ships converging from either side of the Enterprise D, cut to C entering the butthole, and then cut to Picard's face going like, what was that little uh, little thing that we just saw out there? Yeah, and Worf's like, uh, well, we momentarily saw something, but uh, I guess it was nothing. And he's like, well, As you were. we'll leave a class one butt plug. Uh, here to to monitor the situation just in case and the episode ends with Guinan sitting down in in 10 forward asking Jordy to like tell tell her about Tasha Yar that was a real nice ending yeah I mean a quick little scene but super evocative you can really do a lot with just a single line and they've done it a couple of times this season especially like doing a lot of character building with just a single line of dialogue. Yeah. Good stuff. There's a lot to like in this episode, Adam. And as as much as as much antipathy as I have toward time travel scenarios in Star Trek, I think that this is Star Trek time travel at its best. You know, it 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 still doesn't make any sense. Like it's very easy to punch holes in it. Like, okay, if if we're in an alternate timeline now, then why would changing the past alter this timeline or make it into the other timeline? Like, what are the, the mechanics of that? How does Yar reappearing in the current timeline and then going back to the previous timeline uh, sure. mechanically work? How does that not break the universe? To uh, enjoy science fiction at all means suspending some amount of disbelief, though. I guess so. I mean, but but... The I think some of the fun of it is like the the plausibility of sure. yeah, of, of the sci-fi and and uh, I have a tough time lending any plausibility to to this kind of stuff. But the the way it's executed is so so top tier that it's it's a uh, it's it's easy for me to forgive in this episode. It feels like the show has become fully formed. In this episode, all of the characters are acting based on information we've been given up until now. Like, the effects are first rate. Yeah. Uh, you're feeling things that you're supposed to feel. Wesley's haircut looks okay. Yeah. You know what? There were a couple of things different in the alternate timeline that uh, really had a big effect. One, no Chief O'Brien Yeah. in the alternate timeline. Two, 
Wesley has great hair. And I think if you're Wesley Crusher, you're a little bit sad to send the Enterprise C back through the butthole because <laughs> you're back to the Buffon. Yeah. I did miss Troy. Yeah. I, uh, I guess it. I guess it's like... I guess their idea was that it didn't make sense for there to be a, a touchy-feely person in a warship scenario. But uh, I don't know. I thought it would have been interesting to have her in the mix. I, I feel like they could have figured out a way to make that work. This was a great Guinan episode. Totally. It makes me... Every time they give Guinan anything to do, I just want more and more of it. Yeah. Makes me want to ask you a question, though. What's that? In the uh, In the deuce... Ex Machina power rankings. <laughs> Do you move Guinan up a little bit? Do you move her up above Q and Kevin Uxbridge? Because <sighs> she demonstrates some shit. Like she she can exist out of time. I'm not sure if Q can do that. Yeah. Where where was she when Kevin Uxbridge was around? She was she was she not in that episode? I don't think so. Seems he like never she went would, to the bar. Seems like she she would have been wise to his shit, right? Can you imagine Kevin Uxbridge and Ten Forward ordering drinks? Guinan, I would like a very specific drink. Guinan, I'm not sure you've heard of this cocktail. It's called a Shex on the Beach. <laughs> it's called a Slippery Nipple. <laughs> it's based um, on the rubber that I used <laughs> to make the nipple on my wife. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. You get that one interaction between Guinan and Q uh, last season. Right. But there are very few interactions between these ultimate characters. Yeah. I could go for a little bit more of that, right? Yeah. Because it's hard to rate them without that. Yeah. I mean, uh, at some point, somebody will have to figure out who would win in a fight. I mean, I think for the long term, we know Kevin wins. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Adam, uh, uh, I believe we have a message coming in over subspace. Oh, I also got that uh, flashing red light <laughs> on my dash. <laughs> Want to pull over and listen? Let's pull it over. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. This Priority One message uh, comes to us from Membrane Software, who invites our viewers to download and play the Star Commander video game. This is a completely free game with no ads or in-app purchases. That's like the best kind of game, Ben. Yeah, I think it's one of those kind of pay pay what you think it's worth type of deals. Right. Did you ever play Escape Velocity when you were a kid? I don't know. Was that a Sega Genesis game? No, it was a Mac game. Uh -huh. It may have been on PC as well, but it was like a fly your ship around the galaxy. And I got total escape velocity vibes when I went to the membranesoftware.com page and, and took a look at what this game looked like. It looks really cool. Yeah. Um, it feels like a, like a throwback space video game in the best possible way. Yeah, like back when you go, go on a shareware downloading website and get some shareware. Sure. Remember shareware? <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so here's the copy. Have you ever wondered what it's like to build a fleet of spaceships, explore the galaxy, and wage interstellar war? Star Commander is a video game that gives you a chance to try it out. 
deploy fleets and build star bases to gain control over galactic resources, assign the best officers to your starships, and guide them in combat to achieve victory. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> I like a game where you get to decide whether or not it sucks and then pay also, because yeah. I have so many, like, examples of a time where I paid, like, 25 bucks for a game for my PlayStation and just completely hated it, even though yeah. it was well-reviewed. And so this is like, you know, you have nothing to lose if you like the game, which we we gander you might, given that it is made by greatest-gen viewers. Sure. You know, throw them a couple of shekels. Yeah, and this whole deal with Membrane Software is that they say we want people to use our software and monetary barriers get in the way of that. Therefore, we don't place a cost on anything. Play the games, decide what they what their value is to you, and then uh, then give us a little bit of a tip. That's sort of like uh, our model for podcasting, right? I love it. Yeah. Anyway, visit MembraneSoftware.com on your PC or Mac to download and play Star Commander. It's completely free, as we said, with no ads or in-app purchases. Yeah, looks like they even have a Linux version. It's got all the versions. Yeah. All the versions you could ever need. Our thanks to Membrane Software for helping to support Greatest Generation. We have another personal message uh, on the Jumbotron. It is from Future Tom Regan. Regan? Regan, uh, and it is to present day Tom <laughs> Regan. And uh, the message is We require you to proceed with the secondary penis. Please respond. <laughs> this is the second time uh, in a row that I feel like people mainly just want to contribute to our show. <laughs> yeah, which I am more than happy to accept. But, uh, there is a possibility that this is legit and it's actually being sent from the future, which is pretty exciting. Ben, I have so many questions. Yeah. I mean, what does secondary mean in this context? Is yeah. it an additional penis or is it a replacement penis for a future damaged penis? Right. And I mean, what is the what's the time travel mechanic at play here? Is it like in Looper where you can, you know, send somebody into the past and kill them? Or is it like in yesterday's enterprise when you can when you can like send a ship back and avert a war this message is specific to a body part in a way that <laughs> like the way data tries to destroy his own body parts yeah like what's tom regan doing with his penis in the future yeah whatever it is it seems pretty dangerous yeah he's into sticking it into places where it might get <laughs> it might slip into another dimension well i think if present Tom Regan had a message for future Tom Regan, it might be, hey, future Tom, why don't you cool out with the penis stuff? <laughs> yeah. Sounds, sounds dangerous, whatever you're into. Yeah. <laughs> well, present day Tom Regan, I feel like you have a lot to think about, and maybe this will guide the decisions you make going forward. <laughs> yeah. I think it's given us a lot to think about. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tom Regans, both future and present for your support of The Greatest Generation. Yeah, thanks. And if, uh, if you listening at home would like to send a Priority One message, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Personal matches, messages are $100, and corporate or business-based messages are $200. And it uh, helps us keep the lights on around here. 
We don't change the prices based on if those messages are going to future versions <laughs> or, or past versions. Oh yeah, what about like inflation? It's one low, low price. Yeah. We're really getting, we're getting the short end of the deal here. Yeah, future Tom paid for this one in scarves. Hey Ben. What's that, Adam? Uh, did you find yourself uh, in this timeline or any other timeline a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I'm gonna have to give it to Shooter McGavin. No! He definitely like falls for Yar and they, they have a great like on-screen kiss and then she kind of surprises him by showing up on his bridge and saying like, I'm gonna go die in battle with you guys. And uh... He, he very half-heartedly tries to convince her not to. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, dude, this shit is super transparent. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a tough episode to find a drunk Shimoda in, but that was my that was my drunk Shimoda. How about yourself? Uh, I am also going to give it to Castillo, but for a different reason. Oh, I love it when this happens. All right. So the is it because is... he eats pieces of shit for breakfast? No. Uh, he might as well be with the <laughs> amount of hubris he shows. So check it out. Uh, Castillo is the last surviving bridge crewman from the Enterprise C. Yes. Tasha Yar is a lieutenant commander. Let's just say she is. Let's say it doesn't matter what her rank is. <laughs> she has future experience. She is from 24 years in the future. Right. They stick her over on the Enterprise C and makes fucking Captain Shooter McGavin. Those are the rules. I didn't write them. That makes no sense at all. Yeah. If I'm Shooter McGavin, I'm I'm begging Tasha Yar to be the captain of the Enterprise C. Like, all your future tactical skills uh, have got to be amazing compared to my stupid helmsman skills, which are going to serve me exactly zero against uh, attacking Romulan ships. Yeah. I don't know. I just... That part to me, like... It would have been a small tweak to the story that wouldn't have meant a whole lot, but credibility-wise, yeah. Tasha's got to be captain in that moment. And not only does she have to be captain, Castillo needs to make that happen. Right. Castillo needs to insist that he's not, because that's just dumb. He can be captain in the chin department, but, uh, yeah. but no others. No other categories. Yeah, he so definitely can't be weird. captain in the slickback department when Yar is walking around. I know. I am the cutest of all. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? What episode were you watching next time? The next episode is season three, episode 16, The Offspring. Data becomes a father when he creates an android using a transfer of his own neural programming. <laughs> Do you remember that episode? Ben, the gravity of the usage of my veto this season has, <laughs> has, has fully bloomed because... This is one of the episodes I hated most of all the episodes. It's another example. Like I feel like this happened last season with the uh, when they unveiled the Borgs. The episode right after it was just a real lighthearted turkey of an episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday's Enterprise is so like stakes is high and like it's it's like a totally like huge fully realized episode with different sets and different costumes than. They're just going to follow it up with like, oh, what if Data was able to reproduce? This is as low as it gets for me. I really <laughs> don't like this episode. When it's come on on reruns in syndication, like I will go find something else to do. And typically I will watch any 
next gen episode. Yeah, wow. I this is on Mount Armas for me. Without having seen it since I saw it the first time. Not looking forward to this. Okay. Well, that's the next episode we're watching because neither of us has vetoes to use. I know. It's all my fault, Ben. Well, you can tweet at us using the hashtag greatestgen. Adam is at Cut for Time. I'm at Benjamin R on Twitter. And uh, we're on there all the time goofing off and talking about Trek. Uh, you can go to our subreddit. I think it's greatestgen.reddit.com is a way to get there. R slash greatest gen. Yeah. You can also go to the Maximum Fun subreddit. And uh, there's also Facebook groups aplenty for you to get involved with. Um, We're basically on all the social media except Snapchat. Yeah. I don't think you'd like what you saw if we were to be on Snapchat. (laughs) Uh, It'd be disgusting. One really cool thing that happens with our show is that our listeners go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and they step up and they support our show with their own hard-earned money. If you feel that this show is worth listening to perhaps you feel it is worth supporting financially we hugely appreciate everybody that is involved with that part of it we are professional podcasters ben i think you can taste the difference yeah and our viewers help us make the show people that support get to listen and know that this partly exists because of, of them it's the truth. I think we would have quit long ago. I would quit before the offspring. <laughs> this would be a great time for me to bail out. Um, but now I'm obligated. Yeah. Well, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusia for our Priority One music. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an offspring episode of The Greatest Generation. He's got it in the chim... Di- in the- he can be... Ch- Fuck. He can get... Take three. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.